Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air, everywhere. It is the fifth hour with I, Ben Maller, and Danny G Radio, because four hours a night are not enough. We do this eight days a week and a Friday podcast. Now, normally on Friday, we have someone in here and I shoot the crap with them and someone who uh, either I know or I want to get to know a little bit better. But this week is different. This is not like the normal weeks. Oh, hell no. That's right. Because by popular demand, the listeners of the fifth hour podcast have said, Maller, nobody wants to hear these interviews every week. We need more Danny G radio clamoring for more Danny G radio. After he gave that amazing story last week of the, uh, the head Tinderoni there. Jumps up onto the massage table, straddles my girl, sits on my girl's rear end, is Uh, going to town on her, and (laughs) and was kept slapping her, even slapped her ass. I got turned on and it scared me. What went wrong at the massage parlor? So by popular demand, an entire weekend of Danny G with me on the fifth hour. So Danny, give the people what they want, Danny. Give them what they want here. I guess that's what happens when you tell NC-17 rated stories. Yeah, here I am, Danny. I'm thinking, boy, I I really nailed it on that podcast. You know, it was great pod. And no, it was, oh my God, I love Danny. That was the greatest story ever, you know, and all that. I'm like, well, what what about me? You know, what about me? And I'm like, nobody cares about you. It's all about Danny G. It's all about that X-rated. They love they love that story, Dan. It was amazing. We're only here because of you. No. Um, and uh, now my Tinderoni asked me if she should make another appointment so that we have more content. She used the word content too. That's good. See, she's in the business now. She's uh, <laughs> by osmosis. She's learning about all of the craziness that happens here. All the zaniness and the nonsense and. All that. Hey, surprise, motherfucker. It is rather crazy. But uh, anyway, on this edition of the fifth hour, we've got uh, you know, stories from the last few days and whatnot. Uh, more of that. Whatever pops up. I've got Indiana Jones. Weird science. We'll tell a tale about avocados. We've got song time and cutting room floor day. This is an amazing amount of content. Absolutely free. Nobody had to pay a dollar for that. Well, you actually have to have a device to hear it, but you have that anyway, right? So, you know what I want to talk about on this Friday morning? Devontae Adams. Yeah. Ben, you've been preaching because of your Rams about how draft picks don't matter. And I know it's not what we do on this podcast, so I'm sure you'll talk about it on Sunday night. But you did tweet about how Adams to the Raiders bumped March Madness from the front page. It was wonderful. Yeah, and you tweeted how Aaron Rodgers' bracket was broken. 
Um, but you forgot to tweet about how the Raiders are now one of the Super Bowl favorites. Uh, calm down. <laughs> calm down on that. Check punt, baby. All right, so we'll start with this. The other night, it was a normal night at Casa Maller, the Maller Mansion. All, all stories start out like it was just a normal night. And then one thing led to another. And a normal night became abnormal. The abnormal was now normal. So, so let me explain what happened. So, um, you know, these are, these are first world radio problems. So imagine if you will, I'm just normally preparing for the show. Like I, I do, I have a routine. I have a cadence. I've been doing this for a long time. Not that I'm great at it, but I, I kind of have the same routine every day. There's certain parts of the day. I do certain things and I got everything down. I get it down. I changed my schedule a couple of years ago when we started doing the show from the home studio and so I have that down now. I'm very comfortable. I, I, I have my routine. And so I'm doing my normal thing. You're like a well-oiled machine. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm ready to do my thing. You know, it's a normal midweek. And so I'm, I'm getting ready. I kind of map out the show in my head. I have an idea. I, 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 I start out with a lot of possibilities. And then, as you know, Danny, from, from doing this a long time, you kind of whittle things down. It's like starting with a block of wood and you kind of wheel stuff away and you're like, all right, what do I want to make this to be? What you know, make it your masterpiece. And so, uh, so I'm doing that. And I, had, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to go with. And I started jotting down some chicken scratch uh, for the monologue, some notes for the monologues. And I, I'd gotten to the point in the process, trust the process, as they say in Philadelphia, that weasel, uh, Sam Henke. So uh, the old GM there. So anyway, so I was like, all right, I, I'm good. And there's a term we use from time to time. It's called you know, putting the baby to bed. And that's the point where you've done everything you can do for the show. You've got everything ready. You're prepared. Now you just have to wait for showtime. And you, just, you got some time, possibly you'll kill. It's you know, industry jargon. Put the baby to bed. So I'd finished my copious amounts of research. I had everything mapped out. I had a great battle plan and the Sun Tzu, the art of war. And I'm going to settle in. And I like to, you know, before the show, I like to settle in and I'm a loser. I watch some NBA games. I flip around, watch some NBA games, uh, whatever, whatever sports are on. It happened to me that night. NBA was on. There were a couple of games. And so I'm, I'm watching and then boom, all of a sudden, oh, no, it's a five alarm fire bell sounding. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Lights and sirens in our world. <laughs> Freddie Freeman had agreed to sign a contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which meant my mapping of the show, well, didn't go so well. So I had to, uh, to ad-lib Danny. Uh, I had to do some improv. And it's one of the great quotes from Indiana Jones with my you know, memorable movies when I was a kid. Remember that scene? Uh, from Indiana Jones, where uh, Indiana, uh, somebody asked Indy, uh, you know, what are you going to do next? And his reply was, I don't know. I'm making it up as we go along. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of what we, you know, just kind of freestyle. No, I was excited. I was happy. I'm a Dodger fan. You're a Dodger fan. So uh, I was happy about all this. But still, I, I was like, I, I was texting the guys. I was like, couldn't this happen at like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock? Did it have to happen right before the show? And I was like, well, oh. it did have to happen right before the show. And it did happen. And so, you know, this happens every once in a while. Normally doing the overnight show, there's not much. Things usually shut down when the East Coast shuts down. That's mostly when things shut down. So now, did you get covered up for the first hour of your show? 
by the flamethrower AM570 LA Sports? Did they bring Steve Sachs in for a special, <laughs> <laughs> a special you know, broadcast? I, I I used to worry about that stuff, but I have not uh, I've not spent too much time. I just do my stay stay in your lane. And uh, so I don't worry. Now, sometimes we've gotten covered up by Clipper postgame talk. That's happened occasionally. The NBA games seem to be ending sooner. Um, but yeah, we're guaranteed like during baseball season on our flagship in LA AM 570 Dodger station, we are guaranteed there'll be one or two games in San Diego or San Francisco or Colorado, Arizona that will go till two in the morning. The yeah. entire show will be covered up by, you know, rain. They'll be raining, not in Arizona, but in, in San Francisco, Colorado or, uh, or L or uh, San Diego. So that's guaranteed to happen, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was interesting, interesting night. And uh, hopefully Freddie Freeman works out well. It ain't my money. So good luck. And uh, I think for the next couple of years, it should be good. Uh, after that, you know, that, that's somebody else's problem, right, Danny? We don't need to worry about it. Man, I wanted to go to the MLB All-Star game this year since it's here in uh-huh. L.A. What are those tickets going to look like now? Yeah, well, I'm hoping to go to that and not in the media. But my man, Marlins man, a couple years ago, Marlins man invited me to the all-star game at Dodger Stadium. I was going to sit right behind him at home plate. We had it all planned out. And then that freaking COVID thing took place. And then that shut it down. So I'm hoping I'm still texting Marlins man from time to time. So we're still a casual friend. He'll send me messages from random college basketball games he's at or whatever. So I'm hoping we're good. I'm hoping, but I don't think he responded last time when Derek Jeter left the Marlins. I sent him a text saying, uh, you're my pick to be the new New Marlins executive. I, he didn't respond. I think he might have been upset by that. So I hope I hope we're still on good terms. But but I don't know. I no, no idea what's uh, You were trying to keep that bottle of milk warm. Yeah, you know, I just check in, just uh, you know, see what's going on from time to time. But he'll he'll send me like random Marlins mail. Send me random messages from time to time. It's kind of cool. You know, it's it's nice that he's thinking about me. All right, so weird science. So we go to the bag of email early this week, Danny. A little bag of email, you know, a little earlier than normal here. And uh, this one came from Alex in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. Alex in the Netherlands. He says, uh, Ben, thanks for the shout out. About a month back, he has been listening, Danny, to the nonsense that I have done and you have been part of for a long time. 16 plus years. Uh, he's still listening. He and, and Alex has a very interesting story. I've talked about him a few times over the years, but he does high level in his own words. He does high level science research. It's not trigonometry. And he has lived all over Europe and uh, all over the world. And uh, he, he does the, the scientific research and he says he loves the crew and the collars. He's uh, now, I think he was in Germany before he's now in the Netherlands. And uh, he said some nice things to me there. He said he grew up in Southern California in Laguna beach. So he's an OC guy like I am. And uh, he did offer, and this is interesting. The reason I brought this up, Danny, you know, weird science and all that. He says, let me know if you ever need a quantum physics expert. Uh, keep on entertaining us, Alex in the Netherlands. And so it got me thinking, Danny. I mean, I, I did respond to Alex. I did write back to him. I don't know if he's written back or not. Maybe I missed it, but he, uh, I, I said to him, I said, hey, you know, I'd put you on, but you got to be relatable to the, you know, the meathead sports radio listener. You got to, can you dumb it down enough? That's the key. If he could do it, I'd love to have him on. If he could explain, you know, I'm not that bright either. If he could explain to me and make me understand 
the kind of stuff that he's involved in. I think that would be pretty interesting. I'd like to learn more about that. But if he's going to talk a bunch of science mumbo jumbo, I don't know if that's going to be something we want to be part of, right? He could help us get Kelly LeBrock out of our home computer. Then we'd be interested. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's dealing with like nuclear codes or something like that. I don't know what he's got going on. I have no idea, but he's he's got stuff going on there. And uh, it's, it's sounds interesting to me. That's a pretty impressive title. Quantum physics. Right? My head spins just thinking about it. My eyeballs go to the back of my head thinking about quantum physics. But that's the world he's in. That's his world. And, and it's uh, outstanding. I love the, that guys like that listen. And I get emails from people like this every once in a while that are that are fans. And then, you know, you you juxtapose that with the people that call the show. And it's a fascinating uh, dichotomy between, uh, you know, the certain people that there are, are the casual listeners, but they don't they don't contribute content usually. And then the people that call all the time. So it's kind of like when we will watch something where you don't have to have your brain on whatsoever, like a bad reality show or 60 day marriage or yeah. something like that. It makes you feel normal and better about yourself because you're watching all these losers on that TV show. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, now I, I did get another email that I don't know if I want to get into this now, maybe we'll save it for later, but this guy's like, hey, he thinks that, that there was this guy that used to email the show when Gascon was on the podcast uh, and he, he named I'm a pilot and he would tell these stories about he flew to like China during COVID early on and he had, he got put in quarantine in a Chinese hotel and he got taken by like people in spacesuits and it was amazing stories. And so there's, there's a guy that's been emailing me saying that guy's a fake. That was Gascon pretending to be, I'm a pilot and all this stuff. I don't believe it was. Cause I, the guy had emailed me. He hasn't emailed in a long time. I, unless, I mean, guess it might, maybe he's diabolical and had a different email account, but I'm pretty sure I know information about I'm a pilot. I will try to get a hold of him just to see if, what's going on with him. Cause he, he's not emailed the show, but I do not believe that is a, uh, as much as I'd love to believe that, that that's Gascon pretending to be, I'm a pilot. I do not believe that to be true. Get guys West of the four Oh five and all that loves to, to brag about that stuff. Uh, very pompous and all that. Uh, but that even that's a bridge too far. I don't think you're going to start a fake email account and pretend to be you know a pilot and send photos. And it seems a lot, that's a lot of extra work that you don't need to do. So anyway, so uh, now avocados, the, the price of avocados, the price of everything's gone up, including avocados. We have a tale of avocados. Yeah. What is this all about, Dave? Well, it might surprise you how I get to the avocados. It's more about the drop that we use on the show, Racist. Oh, cool. Of course. You're very yeah, popular. Racist. People love there that. There you go. Yeah. You hear the drop right there. Out of context, racist drops. <laughs> all the <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah, like the white Cheeto puffs. Racist. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, d- that drop uh, will come into play on our show from time to time. So, you know, this past week, starting Monday, was the first day in California that masks were optional at all of our schools. Oh, thank God. Oh, oh. yeah. We talked about this a little bit last weekend. I go to the kindergartners at lunchtime. And I'm thinking to myself, man, today it's going to be fun because these kids have no filters. They don't know what I look like. (laughs) This is Uh, like an episode of the Twilight Zone where everyone's like wearing masks. Remember that episode? Maybe not. I'm a a nerd. I used to watch the Twilight Zone as a kid, but they they had an episode where like everyone was wearing masks and then they 
if I remember it correctly, as I remember, they'd pull the mask off and then they had like weird faces and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Scary looking faces and they didn't look normal. It was wild. Well, yeah. And it was super strange because I swear to God, there were coworkers I had never seen their faces before. That's weird. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at certain people and I'm like, that's what he looks like. That's what she looks like. It was just so odd. I get out to the campus. I had my bit already prepared in my mind. I said, okay, what I'm going to do with these little kindergartners is when they start talking to me, I'm going to play it off like I don't recognize them until I cover up with my hand their mouth in their lower nose area. So, you know, oh, now, okay. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. That's yeah. a smart, that's a smart. And then all of a sudden you go like Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah like that or something. Yeah, yeah. So they were loving that bit. They're laughing. They're talking to me. And I'm like, who are you? I've never met you before. Oh, wait a second. And then I'd stick my hand in front of their mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, it's you. Okay. Um, great. So they're, I love they're it. laughing. They get a kick out of that. But they're staring at me. They're like, you, you have a beard? You... <laughs> I thought you were older. I thought you were younger. I thought this. I thought that. It was just so funny to hear all of them and all of their commentary based on the fact that they could finally see our ugly faces. Yeah. So there's one uh, girl, and I've mentioned her on the show before because Aria has no filter. She looks at me and she says, I didn't know you were Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a girl named Phoebe sitting right next to her. And she looks at me with a straight face and she says, does that mean you like avocados? <laughs> <laughs> Racist. Uh, uh, I don't have no know. filter, no filter. No these filter. I love it. And the only thing I could think of, there's that TV commercial about avocados from mexico oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. avocados from mexico yes 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 and that's the only thing i could think that she was connecting the dots with because why else would she ask if i liked avocados oh it's wonderful the kids say that you know, that cosby show we can't say that because cosby's been canceled but and rightfully so but the the yeah. kids say the darndest things you're living that life daddy yeah, you're learning really every am. day you're learning that. yes there's a, a little boy who was at the same table named Evan and he caught on to the avocado thing. So all week long, he followed me around asking me about avocados. You like avocados? <laughs> Did you just start making stuff up like wild stories about avocados? how old are these kids? Like roughly, what are we, what are we looking at? How, what age are they at? 17. No, I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute. Hold on. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, they're five years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. And they'll they'll reset, right? I mean, usually kids, they have that childhood amnesia. What, like, what's your earliest memory? We've talked about this from time to time. But like, my earliest memory maybe is around five, but I have like vague memories of that. I, I, I know they have said, I've read studies on this where they say, well, kids actually remember everything, but just kind of file in the back of their, their brain and stuff. And it's still kind of there, but you don't, it's not in the front of your memory. Like the front of my memory, probably you know, eight or nine. I remember, I have really good memories of everything from that point on in my life. I would say, what about you? Yeah, I have a memory of being at Disneyland. And when I told my mom about it, she was like, you were like maybe two and a half. How do you remember that? Yeah. Um, but it was because they put me up in that Dumbo ride 
and uh, she was holding me, my little head sticking out of that Dumbo ride. And I remember that day clearly back then at Disneyland, they had a room that you would go into and there was a whole bunch of different telephones, different characters, Disney characters, pictures next to each phone. And you picked up that phone and the character was talking to you on the phone. Okay. I thought that shit was real. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm on the phone. I'm like, man, Mickey Mouse is on this phone. <laughs> uh, I was all in, man. I thought that was real for sure. Um, that's my earliest memory. That's great. Uh, I love it. I, my first memory that I, I you know, recall with clarity, I was on the school bus coming home. And they had the radio on on the school bus and the driver was really kind of freaked out. And it was the uh, the day that Ronald Reagan had been shot. And uh, I remember like running in to tell my mom, like, hey, the president was shot like that. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I just knew that the bus driver was freaking out and there was like emergency programming on the radio and. Uh, I still have very clear like memories of getting on the school bus, hearing on the way home the you know the, the the radio reports and all that. The guy on the radio and the you know people on there yapping about that, and then the the bus driver you know turning up the sound to hear hear what the guy on the radio was saying about that, which maybe in some weird way helped me lead lead to my career. But uh, I, I do remember that. I do recall that. Man, you were breaking news even back then. Yes. Yes. Benny, the newsbreaker. And, and uh, unless I wasn't, but, but in those days you really had, that's how you got the news was from the radio. Like there was no internet. Like you had to wait for the newspaper yeah. the next day, or you would get it on radio or television. That was it. Old media, but yeah. yeah. Word of mouth or as ludicrous would say word of mouth. Yes. And we had the AP wire when we were kids in radio. Yes. Yes. I love it. That was one, like the coolest thing when I started in San Diego at uh, Extra Sports was the the high speed sports wires Hacksaw called it, and they had, the sport, they had the sports ticker on one side in the newsroom and the AP newswire, and they wasted so much paper because they'd print you know the the, the yeah. sports ticker would print everything up and it was a nightmare. It would nonstop just keep printing and printing and printing and printing and printing. But that was the news. Yeah, it was the intern's job to keep putting new boxes of paper there and connecting it to the printer. Then us, like I was a rookie. So it was my opportunity to kind of be a producer. I would rip the, the pages apart. And then with a highlighter, I would highlight anything that was good for our format. And then you had to bring that into the on-air personalities. Yeah. So my job at 690, when I was working with Hacksaw, when I first started there, he this is this is pathetic it was like the ghoul report and i remember because there'd be race car drivers open wheel race car drivers from europe <laughs> there was a guy and i forget his name but i remember the story he had gotten into a terrible accident and it looked like he was going to die and so hacksaw he made me monitor this uh on the on the uh, wire because he wanted me to run in with the bulletin if he had he had died because he wanted to break the story on the show and all that stuff. So I, I remember getting, you know, you know, AP bulletin one, AP bulletin update two, you know, that kind of stuff they would send out uh, back, back in the day. But yeah, that was the internet. That was like, that was the beginning stages for our purposes, but it's gotten a little better since then. Just a little bit. So it evolved into the NFL book. Yeah. Which we have not done. We still need to do that on the overnight show. And we'll do it 
uh, this this coming. I'm a two time champion, back to back. Well, I've I've won my share. I've won my share of the NFL book. I have the 2015-2016 title holder. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, so uh, I wanted to bring a little music. All right. Yeah, into, uh, into the podcast. You know, Casey Kasem. We both worked there when Casey worked at the building there. Casey, the legendary premier networks host, passed away a couple of years ago. But keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Yeah. A damn dead dog. I'm sick and tired of coming in here. I got an upbeat song and we're doing a, we're, we're doing a dedication and you know, you know oh, that's, that's one. We should highlight that one of these weeks. That is outstanding. Uh, so I bring this up. Ohio Al, who makes our mail jingle. That sounded weird. Our, our postal jingle. I don't know. I'm not some kind of nut licker here. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make our mail jingle. Uh, it does, but a- anyway, so Ohio Al's a, a talented musician, and he uh, sent me a little ditty. He sent this a while ago, and bad job by me. And you know, it took me a while to get it on the radio show, and I wanted to highlight it here on the podcast for everyone to enjoy the artistical work of Ohio Al. So let me set this up. It's obviously a parody song of "Comfortably Numb." by pink floyd it's called comfortably ben and are you ready danny for a little little ditty here from our buddy ohio al i am ready all right here we go let's strike up the band Of filibuster, the pummeler of producers, Benny 
bright side, manatee of insanity. Marconi Mather, emissary of embellishment of the weak night windbag, the slayer of naysayers, the grand guru of death, the tower of Babel, the nocturnal colonel, and the holy pope of the slippery Ah, oh, there it is. Great job. Wonderful job there for our buddy, Ohio Al. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ohio. I'll spend a lot of time on that. I like it. A drop of Palooza there. That was uh, highlighting many of the drops, many of the favorite drops on the show. So we have a little time left. We'll pivot away from Ohio Al's song. And uh, we mentioned the cutting room floor. So, I thought since you know, normally on Friday, we, we bring somebody in here and ask a bunch of questions and shoot the crap and all that stuff. But the cutting room floor, so stuff we planned to get to during the radio show. However, we ran out of time. And so think of this as a trip to the refrigerator for leftover spaghetti or something like that. And so just a few stories that we would have brought up, Danny, on the overnight show. But because of timing reasons, we didn't get to it. Uh, and uh, we'll start with this. The expensive cardboard story. Did you see, Dan, that Drake spent over $200,000 on basketball cards trying to pull a very rare card out? I did see this. Yeah. Now, I, I know Drake's got a lot of money, but these these boxes, this NBA Panini, uh, these, these, I'm not, a, I'm not into the cards right now. I've gotten out of the business. I mean, I still have a bunch. I got to go through, but the, the NBA Panini flawless sports cards, each box sells for like $15,000 Jeez. and contains 10 cards, 10 cards. The math on that is not particularly great. Um, so anyway, he spent over two hundred thousand dollars and uh, you know, for unopened NBA cards, and he was uh, going through them and uh, you know trying to find, trying to find gold. The problem I have with this, Dan, is you already have gold. You're Drake. You're rich. Like, isn't this something that somebody who's kind of looking to win the lottery would do? You know what I mean? This is just a rich person who's bored, right? You, yeah. Instead of lighting one hundred dollar bills on fire. You light baseball, basketball, and football cards on fire. I remember when my older brother would get like a San Francisco Giants player and a pack of baseball cards. Yeah. He would light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. What a pyro. And my mom caught him doing it one time. And she's like, I swear to God, if you burn the neighborhood down because you don't like the San Francisco Giants, you are going to be grounded for a week. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Now, is he going to have to burn the uh, the Jock Peterson card? I saw Jock sign with the, oh, the Giants this week. I saw what that. a douchebag, pearl-wearing, <laughs> burnt orange. Yeah, he's an enemy combatant, and he's got the – Jock Peterson's got the reputation of being a good playoff player. He, was, he had a bunch of home runs with the Dodgers. He was terrible for the Braves in the World Series, though, this past year. They won, but – as I remember, he was lousy in the plus. He's from Northern California, though. He's a, he's a NorCal guy, so he's going back home. But uh, good luck to Drake with those yeah. basketball cards. I guess last year, Zion Williamson, one of those cards sold for $233,000. Yeah. 
uh, last, last year. The card business, though, I've complained about this in the past. It's such a racket mm-hmm. that the, the company you would like to work for are the grading people. They're the ones that make all the money. They're guaranteed to make their money. The people that yeah. grade the cards, holy. There's a waiting God. line for those guys. Yeah, that's one of the problems. I got a whole bunch of cards that I would, some of them I need to get graded to sell. I'm like, I don't even want to, you got to spend money to do it. It's big pain in the ass, big pain in the tuchus. All right. Uh, we've got limited time here. Limited time. You want dumb money, uh, lots of camels. Uh, which one? Pick your poison here, Danny. Oh, we have a famous drop we used to play on the live show of, of you saying, I want a camel. That's right. That's right. And uh, this is a, a great camel story. It comes from Tracy McGrady, better known as T-Mac, back in the day. And he, he recently shared a story that I had not heard of. Maybe you've heard of it, but I had not heard of it. And so he, he said years ago, back in his salad days, uh, that uh, he went to Cutter on a trip. The NBA had sent to him and Carmelo Anthony, Clay Thompson, and Luke Walton. So they took a trip over there to promote the World Cup. And uh, so they were all there. And while they were in Cutter, McGrady says he was asked whether they wanted to do some camel racing. <laughs> and so here's Tracy McGrady at the time, big NBA, you know, legend, Mello, Clay Thompson, uh, Luke Walton, all these guys. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so McGrady told the story. So he says, hey, yeah, we'll go see the camel race. And, and they, were, they asked the, the NBA guys, do you want to participate? T-Mac told the story. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? So anyway, they go down to the, the track as T-Mac tells the story, and they are on the runway, and the camels are over on the side, and then all these NBA guys are given remote controls by one of the people from the, the track there in Cutter, and they're like, hey. Uh, and the, the guys are like, well, what are these remotes? And so apparently what they do in that part of the, the world, they have – he said a little, they got a little man on the camel, according to T-Mac with a whip. And oh. so they, they hand a remote control to these dudes. And then based on how you use the remote control, you, the, the little dude on the camel, which I, I, I assume is robotic, right? I would think, right. Am yeah. I? Yeah. And then based on how many times you hit the, the remote, the camel gets whipped and that's how they race the, the camel. Well, he got whipped a lot in his career. Oh, he, <laughs> he did probably, at the end. Yeah, that's for. He probably knew how to use that. that <laughs> control. I was in an elevator with T Mac. He was playing for the Rockets. I'll never forget it. It was you know he hadn't he had been a big star with Orlando and he went to the Rockets. He's still well known because of the little penny things and all that. Yeah. But, but in the elevator at then Staples Center, he was complaining because he had to meet like some do some sponsorship thing. And he was, I don't want to do it. He was complaining. It was so funny. And uh, I was like, you probably, I was thinking in my head, I'm thinking, you're probably going to get paid more in for this like 10, 15 minute sponsor thing you got to do than I'm going to be making for like two years. But uh, he, he really was having a bad day. He did not want to do the, the sponsor gig at all. So do you think camel racing will be there forever? I know they've gotten rid of dog racing in most of America, but that you know, in the Middle East, camel racing, I'm sure there's dog racing a lot of places around, around the world. I know we used to have. Uh, sound very humane. 
No, no, but the, the rest of the world's not woke or any of that stuff. They're not, they don't care about that. Uh, well, I say the rest of the world, the, uh, the non-Western world, they're more into the, you know, having a good time and all that. But, uh, Did yeah. he say how much he used the remote? Oh, yeah, yeah. He said he, he went, you know, he's a fool. He said he kept hitting the remote, tearing the camel's ass up. But he did say, T-Mac, that he won the race. So his camel won the race. But then, of course, probably had to be put down or something like that. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Uh, <laughs> on that note. What a way to end. What, yes. You know, there's one other thing. I did want to bring one other thing up, which never goes well for me. Uh, Wait, I didn't want your last sentence to be tear that camel's ass out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the camel cake. That was awesome. That camel cake. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, was awesome from the cake benefactor uh, years and years ago. But Buckball, I love this quote. Buck Showalter, manager of the Mets. We're going to get to this. We didn't get to it on the show. So Buck Showalter was asked by one of the Met beat writers, "Are you going to put up those motivational quotes, encouragement posts, and all that stuff in the?" You know, in the in the uh, the Mets clubhouse. Now, I, were you at Fox Sports Radio in the Andrew Ashwood era, Danny? Were you there when he was around? Just afterwards. Okay, just after. So Andrew was our boss. He was a big believer, great man, big burly man. Andrew Ashwood loved him. Very nice man. Radio pro, DJ, went into management. You always love the management guys that used to be on the air because they they get you. They understand. All right, I heard he actually gave raises. Yes, I didn't get one, but other people did. They got big extensions and. Andrew had been very sick and he was very generous. He kind of knew the end was near and on his way out, he took care of some people, gave them a big, big raises. And, and it was wonderful. What a wonderful gesture by, by Andrew Ashwood. But so Andrew, he used to put up quotes from Lombardi and all these different people. He loved the Packers. So he put a lot of quotes of Lombardi up around Fox sports radio. And so that was his thing. And I, I, I thought of him because of Buck Showalter who said he does not like the random famous quotes of encouragement posted around, you know, encourage the employees and all that. And I got a kick out of it because it was such a perfect quote for New York. Buck Showalter, the new manager of the Mets, says if it was up to him, he would have only one sign in the Mets locker room. And it would have two words on it. What do you think that sign would say, Danny? What do you think? Oh, man, for the Mets? For the Mets, the New York Metropolitans. Don't suck. Well, actually, that is that's a reference to Joe Madden. Remember Joe Madden? Oh no, we suck again. He put that up in the in the Cubs clubhouse back in the day, right? Uh, Buck Showalter said he would put up in the clubhouse there. He said he would put up a sign that said "Play better." <laughs> Joe Madden's was "Try not to suck." That was the okay, Joe Madden. Okay. Try not. Which is a version of my favorite quote of all time. John Tortorella, the hockey coach, after the Rangers lost the game and somebody asked him, why, you know, why'd you lose the game or something like that? And he said, we sucked at a time you cannot suck. <laughs> that is the perfect quote. And he, he's like, Tortorella was awesome. He's like, we sucked from head to toe. It was oh, so good. <laughs> so wonderful. So, so great. Anyway, all right. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. That's right, Friday. We got a whole weekend to come of podcast magic on Saturday. And I know people are watching the tournament, all, but we're a good like, sidecar to the, to the March Madness and all that, right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, we are like a side of really good mashed potatoes and gravy. Damn right. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Remember, five stars on the review. Five stars on the review. Right. Tell Two a friend. Stars for Mallard. Five stars. 
five stars on the review. And uh, we will catch you next time on the fifth hour on the Saturday podcast. But, uh, but thank you. Later, skater. Bye, Felicia.